You're listening to Church on the Path Inspiration Podcast. Brought to you by Holy Fire. And broadcasting from the heart of Brisbane City, Australia. Speaking today is Pastor Glenn Gerhauser. This morning is entitled, Living in Thanksgiving. Living in Thanksgiving. And this is number three in Restoring the Soul. And I'm not talking about Thanksgiving, the holiday. I'm talking about the act of giving thanks to God. So living in Thanksgiving. I'm going to pray, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Father, I'm praying for your word to go into our hearts and that our hearts would be good soil and that this message would produce much fruit. It's what you've put on my heart for this morning. And I wanted to get here to praise you and to share it, even though Anna and I have been going through a rough time. You give greater grace. And I'm praying that through this message, you would give greater grace to everybody that needs it. And we're believing for an outpouring of your spirit. So we honor you and bless you. Amen. Amen. Do I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> uh, if we put our hands on our hearts and pray this nice and loud with me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. Well, we could do it a bit more with conviction. All right, all right, let's say it with some more conviction. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart and change my life. Amen. That's, that's better. So living in Thanksgiving. Now, before we get into this, registration is extended for the Father's Heart Unit. And it's going to be extended to the 23rd of February. That is Thursday. And then the doors are going to shut. So if you know anybody that's interested, now this is for the serious ones. They could come on Monday night and uh, catch up on some of the things that they have missed out on. The Father's Heart Unit. We're having a great semester. I'm expecting God to do awesome things tomorrow night. I'm excited for it. And in all my trials and tribulations, in all our trials and tribulations, I look forward to being with everybody on Monday night and sharing the word. It's something I really look forward to. So the Father's Heart Unit, uh, Level 7, 117 Queen Street Mall, Brisbane, holyfireschool.com, and you can register at holyfireschool.com. I figure most of you know it, but this is especially for those who are hearing this online right in the heart, of the heart of Brisbane, the Father's Heart Unit. So let's move forward into the message. Today, we will focus on Thanksgiving and learn seven ways to live in Thanksgiving. This message came to me in the break, 
And I, never, I didn't know when was the right time. I didn't know back then what was going to be the right time to share it, but I felt to keep it in my heart. And today is the day that I'm sharing it by the grace of God. So we're going to focus on Thanksgiving and learn seven ways to live in Thanksgiving. And our opening scripture is 1 Chronicles 16.34. You don't have to turn there because I'm going to have it up on the screen. But you can always go back afterwards, get the presentation, look up the scriptures, meditate on it, and it will be a blessing to you. 1 Chronicles 16.34. Here it is. Uh, this is the translation that uh, I was... I'm working on the inspiration translation. It's a little infographic. It's one of the simplest infographics <laughs> that uh, I have. Give thanks. It starts off with give thanks. Give thanks to Yahweh. He is good, pleasant, and beautiful. Yes, forever flows his kind, loyal, and covenantal love. This is 1 Chronicles 16.34. I'll say it again. And I often say it again so that we can soak in the word. Sometimes we hear it the first time. We, our minds are going here or there. So we listen to it again. Give thanks to Yahweh. He is good, pleasant, and beautiful. Yes, forever flows his kind, loyal, and covenantal love. Now we're going to look at it in the Hebrew. And I'm going to be quick here because I don't want to lose anybody. But at Bible school, we're learning Hebrew. This is what Hebrew looks like. So it looks very foreign uh, to our language. But I'm going to read it to you so you can hear what it sounds like in the original. Hodu la Adonai kitov, ki le'olam chasto. So what does this uh, mean? And I have a little... Um, I have it written out in English, so the Hebrew is right to left. It's one of the most important verses in Scripture. Hodu is give thanks. La Adonai or La um, Yahweh is to Yahweh. Give thanks to Yahweh. And then Ki is for or because, Ki. And then Tov. Tov, and what I wanted to do with that infographic and that inspiration translation is really bring out the richness of the word tov. Say the word tov. It means goodness. It means goodness, but it has a broader range of meaning, meaning pleasant and beautiful as well. So God is good, pleasant, beautiful. And so we give thanks to him because of who he is, because he is tov. He is good. He is beautiful. He is pleasant. He is pleasing. And uh, that is the ultimate reason why we give thanks to God. Not for merely things. We do give thanks for what he gives, but the ultimate reason of giving thanks to God is for who he is. Hodula Adonai Kitov. And then... Ki le'olam chasto. And then it goes on to say, for, for forever is his kind love, his chesed. Forever is his chesed, his kind, loyal, 
covenantal love. And so also in the translation there, I'll go, go back. What I'm bringing out is that that chesed, that chasto, his, his chesed is kind. It means his kind, loyal, and covenantal love. So I wanted to take a few English words to really bring out the richness of the Hebrew there. How is this? Do you enjoying this? I'm trying to give the, the shortest uh, devotion here from the Hebrew without losing you. Did I lose anybody? The rest will be in English. <laughs> Did I lose any of you? <laughs> Nobody's willing to let me know. <laughs> I, love the, I love the original language of Scripture. And it's, I love how we are giving thanks to God because he is good and forever, Leolam, forever is his chesed. So let me repeat what I said last week. On the 6th of January, 2023, the Lord spoke to me about this year saying, this is a year of recovery and restoration for my people all around the world, a Psalm 23 year. This is a year of recovery and restoration for my people all around the world, the Psalm 23 year. And we see that God is doing that in the world right now. Many of you are hearing the reports of the Asbury revival. The Asbury revival, it just started happening. I believe it was the 8th of February that it began in a chapel meeting. So here's some young students. They're in chapel. And one of the fellow students or maybe an older student, I'm not too sure, maybe it was a teacher, a young teacher, I'm not too sure who it was, shared a message. And then they were called to experience the love of God. And the, the message was, and I heard the message uh, this week, the message was uh, the world needs the love of God. But in order for the world to experience the love of God, we need to experience the love of God first. So come and experience the love of God so that you can bring it out into the world and share it with others. Well, this, then the Holy Spirit fell in a powerful way. People started to worship God, but they didn't stop worshiping God. Now, you don't get a couple, you don't get a few students in a school at a chapel service worshiping God, and it's still going on now. So it's, it's gone on nonstop. I think they had a short break just a, a couple days ago. Um, but the worship has been going on for days and days and hours and hours. And students' lives are being transformed. And they don't want to leave the presence of God. And then people are coming from all around the world. Well, it even made CNN. Now, CNN is uh, one of those news stations that is usually critical of conservative values, but here CNN is talking about what God is doing here. And most of the people that are talking about it in the United States are talking about it in a reverential way. That is the news. Um, usually it's the Christians that throw the stones. <laughs> but uh, Tucker, it was like Tucker Carlson and uh, some other, that's Fox News and some other places and ABC, and 
here God is moving and then God is breaking out in different campuses. Well, we see this is one of the ways, it's not the only way, but it's one of the ways that there is, God is bringing recovery and restoration to his people. Psalm 23. Let me read this to you. Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd, I won't be without. In pastures green, he settles me. Beside waters gentle, he guides me. My soul, he restores. And that's what we're highlighting here. My soul, he restores. And one of the ways he restores our soul is through living in thanksgiving. So we'll learn more about that. He leads me in paths trusted and right. Yes, that's who he is. Even if I walk in a valley fog, thick and dark, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your support, they comfort me. You set before me a table across from those attacking me. You anoint robustly my head, my cup abundantly flows. Yes, goodness. There's this tov and chesed again. Yes, goodness and love kind pursue me all the days of my life. Whoa, God is in pursuit of us. This is an interesting word, the word for pursuit, because it's often used for persecution. Uh, that's how strong the word is. And here it says goodness, tov and chesed, goodness and love kind. That's how I translate it here, or kind love, you could say. Yes, goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. And I will be refreshed in Yahweh's house continually days without end. Oh, yeah, I heard somebody say something at Asbury, which was interesting. Here they're worshiping God, and they won't stop worshiping God, and they're praising God, and people are repenting and crying and getting right with God, and there's all the sorts of internal miracles going on in people's lives. And this, the person said, this is normal. You know, this is what church is meant to be. This is normal. This is not... Uh, extraordinary, so to speak. It's extraordinary to us because we're not used to it, but this is what normal is. <laughs> Revival is what normal is. And it should be that every time we come into the house of God, we are refreshed internally. Our hearts, our minds, our lives, we are refreshed. And that's why Anna and I crawled to get here this morning quote-unquote, crawled. <laughs> but that's how it feels when you're not uh, feeling the best. We crawled to get here, and I'm thinking about that woman and crawled to get to the hem of Jesus' garment. And only if we could touch him, only if I could touch him, she said, I'll be healed. And so that's why we worship. That's why we meet here. We are hosting God's presence. We want everybody to touch and experience God's presence and love. And this is what motivates us. And also, repeating what I said last week, I heard the Lord saying, my people will be... And this was in January that I heard the Lord saying this. Oh, actually, December, I believe it was. December, as I was praying into the new year. I heard the Lord saying, my people will be soaked in my love, obedient to my word, 
understanding my ways and loving me, my people, and the lost. For us to be obedient, first we need to soak in his love. And then, as we soak in his love, to stay in his love, we've got to stay in obedience. So obedience is important. Love and obedience go hand in hand in Scripture. So soaked in my love, obedient to my word. All of this spells soul. Soaked in my love, obedient to my word. Understanding my ways and loving me, my people, and the lost. And especially we are thinking about these first three things as we're talking about Thanksgiving, being soaked in his love, obedient to his word, and understanding his ways. And I, I liked how Daniel Hang reminded us when we were talking about what are some simple ways we can soak in the Father's love. He said to us, Thanksgiving, giving thanks. So giving thanks is one of the ways that we soak in his love. It's also being obedient because the scripture commands us. Give thanks, so we're being obedient when we give thanks. And it's also one of the ways of God. Thanksgiving is one of the ways of God. Charles Finney was one of the great revivalists, and he said revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Sometimes people think that revival is all about feelings and emotions, but that's... We do feel God and we do experience the emotions of God. And that part is, is important, but not important if we're not obeying God. So we need to listen to him. So revival is nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to God. Revival is all about God reviving our hearts so that we are obedient to him. And that's why repentance and revival go together. Charles Finney also says, revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. It is giving up one's will to God in deep humility. Did you hear that? Do you believe that? Revival is a renewed conviction of sin and repentance, followed by an intense desire to live in obedience to God. No matter what the cost, I'm going to obey you, God. When I'm up, when I'm down, when my emotions are spent or when my emotions feel elated, however it is, I'm going to obey you, God. And this is what revival does. It's that puts in our heart that love for God that will obey him. And then he goes on to say it's giving up one's will to God in deep humility. In other words, not my will, but your will be done. Now, one of the ways of God is thanksgiving, and we see it through Jesus. Jesus, our shepherd, was thankful even when it seemed there was not enough. So we talked about this at the beginning of the year. Go to Matthew 14, 13. Matthew chapter 14, 13. Jesus, our shepherd, was thankful even when it seemed there was not enough. So there is, in each gospel, we see Jesus thanking God, thanking his Father. So we see his example of the importance of thanksgiving because he practiced it. 
And here, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, I'll read this and I want you to see how the miracle of multiplication happened here. When Jesus heard what, what had happened, this was about John the Baptist dying. Of course, it was quite a tragic and traumatic. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, I think we always have some thoughts in our head which seem good. You know, send them away so that they can buy some food. He's thinking, you know, this is, we're trying to care for them. So every human being has thoughts in their head which they think are good, which seems good. But Jesus always challenges our thoughts. Jesus always challenges our thinking when it's not aligned with him. And here we see an example of it. And he says something which seemed ridiculous to them. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give something. You give them something to eat. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. We don't have the resources. <laughs> now, five loaves and two fish, this is, again, hilarious because they have to feed over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. I mean, it's barely going to last uh, uh, a meal in our house, five loaves and two fish, <laughs> with, uh, you know, five of us and sometimes there's six of us with, if Gideon's there. Uh, would that last in an islander family? Five loaves and two fish? <laughs> it's, it's probably not, right? And any family that is, is big, it's not going to last. And so you need to see the humor of God in this. There is the humor of God in all of this. But here is how it's going to happen. Bring them here to me, he said. Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And here I see a connection between this and Psalm 23. He makes us lie down in green pastures. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks. So what did he do? He lifted up the bread. He lifted up the fish, he looked up to heaven, and he gave thanks. Say that with me. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. So here we see Jesus' example, and he broke the loaves. What we're highlighting right now is he gave thanks. And I, I think that our normal reaction would be, five loaves, two fish, give me a break. I don't have enough. <laughs> Throw it down to the floor. You don't care about me, God. There's not enough. Five loaves and two fish. And, and we may be tempted to complain, right? I mean, if you're really in that situation, 
You're really in that. And, and we are in these situations pretty much weekly. Uh, if you have eyes to see it, you're in situations where Jesus brings you where there, is, there seems to be not enough. And yet, Yahweh is my shepherd, I will not be without. Yahweh is my shepherd, I will not lack. How's that possible? It will be possible through thanksgiving. So instead of complaining about what you don't have, see what you do have and offer to God in thanksgiving. You do have something. You do have something. Even if you have a voice, hands, you have something. All of us have something. But some people see they have nothing. And, you know, have you ever said, oh, I've got nothing? Have you ever said that, I've got nothing? Well, it's not really true. We all have something. And I've said that before. Uh, and it's having eyes to see that you do have something from God and offering, uh, offering it up to God in thanksgiving brings the multiplication and provision. God's kingdom is a kingdom of thanksgiving. It's one of the ways Jesus teaches all his disciples. Thanksgiving is the overflow of a heart that's in love with God. It's in places of thanksgiving that our Father manifests His glory. And we see this in the Jesus feeding the 5,000. The Father's glory was manifested when there was thanksgiving. God's kingdom is a kingdom of thanksgiving. It's one of Jesus' ways that He's teaching us. And thanksgiving comes out of a heart overflowing with love for God. And even people in the world know that thanksgiving is important. Psychologists, counselors will teach you to be thankful, but the thing is they don't know who to be thankful to. So they thank the universe. <laughs> but we know, we know the creator <laughs> of the universe. So thankful. Thankfulness is powerful, more powerful if you're thanking the right one. You're thanking the Creator Himself. I, before I get into this, um, when I went on the prayer retreat, the first thing God spoke to me was these words which I wrote down, which I haven't shared yet. I've been sharing different things that God has spoken to me, but these were... Some of the first words, there's more, but I don't have time to relate all of it. And I don't want to, uh, yeah, over, over, uh, overload you all at once. But let me read to you the first things that the Lord spoke to me. Oh, I guess, I guess going to, I go, I'll go to this and then I'll go back. Thankfulness guards your heart and protects you from deception. Demons traffic in discontentment, but God is drawn to thanksgiving. So demons love it when you're discontent and upset and angry. There is lamentation that's important in Scripture. That's done with the Holy Spirit. But it, you can't stay camped in the place of lamentation. You've got to push forward. 
Uh, and what you'll find out when people are discontent and unhappy and angry, demons love that. It's like, hey, call, hey we've got a party going on here. <laughs> and they say, hey, they call their friends over and they are attracted to discontentment. But God is drawn to thanksgiving. And so thankfulness will guard your heart and protect you from deception. Do you get that? Is that we, I'll go to what I wrote. Tell my people to watch out for deceiving spirits that deceive you, poisoning your heart toward good people and drawing you to those with impure motives. These spirits foster bitterness, hatred, and disloyalty. These spirits cause you to isolate yourself and feed off your hurts. They feed off your hurts. To not be deceived, you need to soak in my love. My love forgives, and my love is steadfastly devoted. The bait of Satan is offense. Know my spirit of truth. My spirit is faithful to the end. My spirit teaches you to be faithful to the end. And that's from the 25th of January, 2023. So the Lord said, tell my people to watch out for deceiving spirits. So let me be obedient, obedient to the Lord. Watch out for deceiving spirits. And what do these spirits come to do? They come to poison your heart toward good people. And they try to draw you to those who have impure motives. So then you are unthankful, you are discontent, you're bitter, you're not thankful for your church, you're not thankful for your job, you're not thankful for your family, you're not thankful for your uh, financial situation, you're not thankful for... This, the things you have in this life, and it will, what it will do is it will draw you to people that are bitter and upset and angry. An extreme example of that is what happened here in Queensland where you have these uh, two guys, or was it three people, three of them killing the police officers? And in their journals, they were talking about Jesus. They were talking about him coming again, they were talking about the police though being like demons that they had to fight against. And that is not, of course, that's not anything close to Christianity, but in their discontentment and their anger, oh, the government this and their paranoia and everything that happened in COVID, something came into their hearts that deceived them. And they thought they were doing the will of God. They were not doing the will of God. Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus died on the cross for us. But they thought that they were doing the will of God. It started off with a little seed of discontentment and bitterness and hatred. And then all of a sudden, they do what they, they did what they did. They murdered two police officers So these spirits cause you to isolate yourself and feed off your hurts. They feed off your hurts. But to not be deceived, soak in the Lord. Soak in the Lord's love. Soak in the Father's love. And his love forgives 
and his love is steadfastly devoted. Know my spirit of truth. My spirit is faithful to the end. And the bait of Satan is offense. So many people offended, but not by actually serious things. It's usually small things. It's not like a serious offense where uh, somebody has done something illegal to you. It's like, oh, somebody gave me a little shade. <laughs> somebody... Somebody upset me. They said something. They didn't give me the time of day. It's all these little things. And then you start to get deceived. You start to drift. Following me here? Moving forward. Again, thankfulness guards your heart and protects you from deception. God is drawn to thanksgiving. Did you know that the Greek word for give thanks is eucharisteo? Eucharisteo. That's why Christians often call the communion, communion bread the Eucharist. Eucharisteo is related to the word charis, charis, which is grace and also bless. Eulogeo, eulogeo, which is uh, to speak well of, to speak a speak good, to speak well. So Eucharisteo, it's where uh, the word Eucharist comes from. It's about giving thanks, giving thanks. Okay, now we're coming to the end here. And this is one of the latest infographics I made, living in thanksgiving. So seven ways to live a thankful life. So this is something that I, I want to encourage you to practice in your everyday life and to practice when, um, yeah, practice after the message. So this is like a take-home thing so that you can practice this message. And this is, one of, this is one of the last slides we have. So seven ways to live a thankful life. First, thank God for His amazing grace. Read Ephesians 1 to remind you. Also, see 1 Corinthians 1.4 and 2 Corinthians 9.15. So, uh, look at, let's look at one of these. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.15. Which says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And before that, it says, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. The surpassing grace that God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable, indescribable gift. So first, thank God for his amazing grace. I would say get up in the morning and thank God for his amazing grace. And if you don't know his amazing grace, if you don't know his salvation... You can receive his salvation. You can receive forgiveness of sins, being cleansed, a new heart. Uh, that is that being born again. And then once you're born again, you receive that. It comes through faith. It comes through grace. It comes through faith. Once you receive that, you can thank God for his amazing grace. And so what happens with Christians is the longer they're saved, they forget that amazing grace. At first, they're celebrating, oh, the amazing grace. And then 
They're not thinking about God's amazing grace anymore. So thank God for his amazing grace. Can I hear an amen there? And then two, thank God for who he is. And that was the first point we had in the message. And here is 1 Chronicles 16.34 from my translation. Give thanks to Yahweh. He is good, pleasant, and beautiful. Yes, forever flows his kind, loyal, and covenantal love. So thank God for who he is. Who is he? Keep, reflect on who he is. Thank God for who he is. And you can see who he is in communion. You can see it in the, the cup. You can see it in the bread. Number three, thank God for what you have. Look at Jesus' example in Matthew 15, 36. We just read this. They didn't have much, but they thank God for what they have. And it's so important for us to see what we have and give thank, thanks for it. Thank God for what you have. This is going to change your mindset. It's going to change your perspective. It'll keep you from thinking all sorts of th dark thoughts. Because in anybody's life, in everybody's life, there is always something not perfect. And we have this myth of needing everything to be perfect. Have you been? We have this myth that Jesus will make everything absolutely perfect. And he will one day when he returns. But right now, if everything was perfect in this life, you would settle down and not be saying, come Lord Jesus. So perfection is not in this life, but God does move and act. So thank God for what you have. And when you do, you'll find it brings God onto the scene and his glory is manifested. So four, again, with this, thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. Thank God for what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And these are reminders to help you. We've got children's church going on in the background here. <laughs> but let the little children come to me. <laughs> well, all right, now... Let's see this in Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4, verse 9. We see in heaven what, what's happening in heaven here. Revelation 4, 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne. And say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And notice there in the first verse, uh, or verse 9, it says that the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him. Thanks. Glory, honor, and thanks to him. So thanks is a part of worship. We'll be talking more about the living creatures tomorrow night at Bible school. So I won't go deep into that. But you're going to see this again into, uh, I won't go deep into it right now. Late tomorrow we'll go deeper. Uh, Revelation 11:17. The 24 elders, they fell on their faces and worshiped God saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, 
because you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. Hallelujah. So thanks, Thanksgiving is the atmosphere of heaven. And when we thank God in our worship and prayer, we are reflecting heaven on earth. All right, five, number five, we're almost finished here. Thank God through all things. So no, not everything in our lives is pleasant, but we thank God through all things. And this is how we make it through that dark and gloomy valley that we walk through. Pray for Daniel and Diane. He's going, Daniel's going into surgery, but it, they've had more difficulties than just the hand at their house. So pray for them. Thank God for them. <laughs> they're happy. I'm happy that they're happy. <laughs> so thank God. Thank God through all things. Thank God through all things. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What does it say there? Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So God's will is for us to be thankful. And often we're looking for God's will in the big spectacular things. But simple thing you can do every day is be thankful. So thank God through all things. Six, thank God for his creation and people. Read how Psalm 104 celebra celebrates creation, but also observe how Paul, in his letters, thanks God for the people of God. So we should be thankful for our church. Look at each other. You should be thankful for one another. In your prayers, you should be thanking God for one another. Usually what happens in the church is uh, people get grumpy with one another. Have you ever seen that happen? Hopefully not. <laughs> people get, how about in a family? In a family, people get grumpy with one another. But we are meant to be thankful for one another. So look for how you can thank God for somebody. Thank God for his creation. Here we have the, the trees, the flowers, the sky, the waters, how he, his creation, but also his new creation, his people. And this will keep the enemy away from our lives and from our church and then lastly and this is what we're going to do in a second is thank God through song thank God through song in first chronicles 16 1 through 43 we see that David organized continual worship thanksgiving and praise before the ark of the Lord so thanksgiving and worship go together thank God through song and so that's those are those seven things that I want you to put into practice. And you can get, uh, I'll put this online and you can get it at brisbanefire.com. Thank God for his amazing grace. Thank God for who he is. Thank God for what you have. Thank God for what he's done, what he's doing and what he will do. Thank God through all things. Thank God for his creation and people and thank God through song. Thanksgiving is one of the ways Yahweh restores our soul. Thanksgiving is one of the ways Yahweh restores our soul. So we're going to pray now. Can I hear an amen? amen? This is, before I pray, this is like a muscle you need to build in your life. It does not come automatically. It takes practice.
It takes practice. It takes doing it. And as you do it, it build, that muscle builds. So, Father, here we come to you right now. And I pray for a great revelation in our hearts of how good you are, how faithful you are, how kind and loving you are, and that we would give thanks because you are good and beautiful and pleasant that our hearts would just overflow with thanksgiving and this is something we would wake up with thanksgiving. We would have thanksgiving throughout our day. We would live in thanksgiving. We would go to sleep with thanksgiving. That this muscle would be built up strong in our lives. Let this muscle become strong, this muscle of thanksgiving. And Lord, as we do, we are following your way, Jesus. And we know we will see the multiplication. I want you to re repeat after me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. With some conviction here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. For all you've done in my life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing God's amazing grace to me. I thank you for what you have given me. And I offer it to you. Amen. I'm going to ask if Missy can come and, and lead us in a, a song. And I, I want us to end with some, some worship and, and it, during our worship to thank, to thank God. Put this thanking God into practice, practice here. I just need to transfer this over. There we go. All right. So as we were, um, Glenn was sharing the word. Um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure Phil sung this song before, um, but this this song came back to me, and the lyrics goes something like this: "Is like, thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Once I was lost, but now I'm found." And I think it's now I know I'm heavenly, my home is heavenly bound. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And then it goes, he's setting me free with his Holy Ghost power. He's setting me free this very hour. It's down in my soul and it makes me whole. He's setting me free. 
free, free with his Holy Ghost power. So I thought I'd just um, um, sing that song. So I hope you guys un, um, know it. So. <clears throat> thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Once I was lost, but now I'm found. Now I know how heavenly bound. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. He's setting me free with His Holy Ghost power. one of the songs that I was going to sing um, and also I was singing a song that everyone would possibly know so thank you Lord thank you Lord that you love us Lord we just want to praise you Lord and, and, and give you all the praise and the glory Yeah. 
Bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. 